Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy. I'm your host, the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And today we have uh, one half of the Tolman Media Conglomerate Badassery Group, which is what I'm now calling it. That's not its official name. It's known as the Tolman Group, uh, or Tolman Media, rather. And uh, w- today's guest is one and only Nick Crone. Nick, good to have you on here, man. Thanks, man. It's a pleasure. Is it Crone or Cron? No, it's Crone. You got it. You got it right well, the first yeah. time, man. It's an accent of yours. It just makes it, it just, you know, you get the pronunciation perfect. It always helps. It always, always helps. But like you guys have gone on some incredible stuff between you and Brennan, who um, right now isn't here and uh, sending all the positive vibes to him right now because there was a situation that went on that, you know, I'm sure you guys will find out over time. But right now, uh, dude, the first thing I got to ask you right off the bat for the people that don't know who you are and what Total Media does, because I've just been Googling you very quickly. Um, could you give us a little bit more of an idea? Because like you guys have grown like insanely quickly in like a short space of time. Yeah. So, and, and I'll, I'll give you two answers to that. So, you know, the first answer is we used to be a photography videography company. Ergo, we've been in the wedding industry, serving brides, filming and taking photos, right? There are millions of photographers out there. And, um, you know, so that's kind of like how we originated and I'd be happy to share a little bit more there. But in more recent, in the more, most recent year, we've been uh, we we switched gears to a licensing type operation, and so we have a licensing company, and uh, and so that's we primarily we we kind of stay in that space these days. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Pretty awesome, because I know like you guys are going out in the licensing world of stuff. Like, so specifically, are you guys just working on like photography licensing, or is it just more on the other side of things? Um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's mostly the photography licensing and, uh, and we're kind of staying in the wedding space. However, you know, we are, we are dipping our toes outside of the, uh, the wedding industry. Yeah. So I, I could imagine the reason why being, uh, the world right now. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Just a little bit. Okay. So one of the things I'm going to really ask you, cause I do know there are a few people out there that are wondering about photography in particular. So do you mind if we talk about photography and the business Let's do it. of photography? Absolutely. Well, so we all know like having a great video, having a great image is key with your business. It can actually change the dynamics of how you're perceived. I think uh, Vince McMahon of the WWE said it best that every year you want to make a slight modification to your quote unquote character in how your market sees you. Mm-hmm. My question to you is what are some of the key composite things that people need to do in order to take a better photo? Like how does someone that has say an iPhone, a Samsung, or even if they have like a Canon M50, what can they do to take a much nicer photo for their business? That's really funny. So I tend to be the technical guy in Tolman Media. I, I absolutely know nothing about photography, ah, but okay. the, the advice that I could give you, uh, you know, I, it's kind of funny. So I, you know, I like to razz around with my business partner and, and, you know, you know, the equipment of photography, videography has changed so much in the last few years that I feel like almost the smartphones can do almost as good of a job as uh, the DSLRs of the, of the past. You know what Agreed. I mean? Agreed. And you know, portrait mode makes everyone look beautiful, <laughs> you know? So the, not, not the answer you wanted, but the one, the one I have, the only one I have experience with. Oh, no, that's actually perfectly fine because, again, uh, at some point, I'd like to get you and Brendan back on and I can ask him all these annoying-ass questions. But going into, the, going into the technical side of things, and I'm assuming by the technical side of things, that's more like the business-run side of things, correct? The, the business, the marketing. Uh, Excellent. I, okay. do, I do a lot of contracts and stuff, too. 
Okay, so that's pretty cool. So let's let's talk about the business side of things because this is quite key. As um, I'm a firm believer of what Jay Abraham says, and that's quite simply, if you you can cross pollinate ideas by taking an idea from one place and putting them in another, like you can definitely it. do that and see how things happen. So one of my questions I'll ask you is: You guys grew your YouTube channel to like 380 thousand people, um, and it's constantly growing. How did you actually start growing that that? Uh, how did you get the content to begin with? And more important, like, how did you come up with the ideas for the content? But more importantly, how did you consistently put it out so it grew? Because that is something that I know a lot of people struggle with is consistency in ideas. Well, and I, and I, and I totally, um, totally agree with that. I think consistency is key. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of challenges. YouTube is not an easy platform to game. And I don't feel like we've mastered e even ourselves. But most, you know, I'd say, you know, just having consistency, you know, there's a lot of YouTubers out there that have, you know, weekly, uh, weekly videos. Um, some, some do daily, you know what I mean? I even see, I see some YouTubers that we follow that, uh, you know, even do multiple videos a day. You know, I look at someone like Meet Kevin. Uh, I mean, this guy is a, an animal and he posts two, three videos a day. Even someone like Dave Ramsey in the financial world, yeah. I mean, he's doing four or five videos a day. And it's just, it's just pretty crazy. But um, I, I think also kind of coming up with a, a unique idea, uh, it, which is, it's kind of hard these days. I mean, you know, I, I love watching, I'm a huge fan of Shark Tank, love watching Shark Tank and like, you know, watch guys like Damon John who are like, you know, there's no more original ideas. There's a business for everything out there, which I don't know if I fully believe in, you know, one of the things that we did recently on our YouTube channel, that's kind of funny is, uh, we, we flew down to, to Las Vegas and we bought a limo and, uh, you know, so now, nowadays what we do is we kind of, we do some interviews in the limo, we call it limo talk and we got some GoPros mounted on the, on the, uh, windows. And so we just drive around, talk to entrepreneurs and, and we say, Hey, we usually ask them one question, like, how do you make money? And cause everyone answers that question differently. And, um, so it's just kind of, it's just kind of funny to, uh, you know, you got you got to get creative. You got to do something unique. Um, and fortunately, no one's no one's driving around on on the in a limo, uh, interviewing people. So that's kind of one of the things that we've we've done. And you know, um, that's you a know, very unique way of doing it. So I got to ask, what brought that thought process on, and why a limo? Uh, you know, it, it was it was kind of funny. So I was chatting with Brennan one day, and, and he went to this small business meetup. And he met a limo driver and he was just like, dude, wouldn't it be the funniest thing ever to like, you know, go to Walmart in a limo? And I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I didn't think it was funny, but, but he's like, oh, this would just be so fun. And uh, I was like, okay, well, how much does it cost? He says, it's like 500 bucks for four hours. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I did a, I did a, I, I, I was joking. I jokingly said, Hey, you know, why don't we just go buy a limo? And I was like, I have no idea what they cost. And then we started looking and, and, uh, you know, they're actually quite affordable, you know, in Las Vegas, they, they have these, uh, these limos after, after 10 years, they have to sell them for some reason. There's some, some law in Las Vegas. You got, they got to get rid of them. They got to keep upgrading. Right. And so, uh, we picked it up really cheap and thankfully, you know, we're not paying 125 bucks an hour. You know what I mean? That's really, really good as well. And a great way of investing into stuff. So like, that's actually a question I want to have that I have for you. Cause a lot of people have this idea of how they can rent that business. And 
some people can get mad at me about this if they want, but uh, here's the long and short of it. ClickFunnels is essentially a rented business. Like you don't own ClickFunnels. You don't own the funnels that are on ClickFunnels. You don't own the content. You don't truly own anything because if ClickFunnels goes down tomorrow, your shit goes with it. So my question is, what's your perspective on renting things for business versus owning them for business? Because some people, like you might not have the finances in order to own something that you really need. So I'm curious where your mind goes with that and how you make that assessment. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of just depends, you know, I, I tend to be, you know, financially tend, I tend to be a little bit more frugal in, in spending money and kind of the, the way that, you know, my methodology in business is, you know, whenever my business makes money and I tell my, I tell my wife this all the time, it's not my money until, you know, I take an owner's draw from it and then that's my money. You know what I mean? And so for me, I, I, I tend to be pretty defensive. I, you know, I say you have to be a good steward of money to, uh, to, to continue to use it and to continue to grow it. And so, so it's an interesting thought to, you know, rent versus buy, you know what I mean? And some things are, are definitely justifiable and you can, you know, is, is worth renting. Um, other things are worth buying, you know, limo, for example. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, uh, you know, for me, you know, I come from a real estate background, so I always try to justify things. Oh, I want to buy a house in Hawaii. Well, can I rent it out and, and make it pay for itself? Well, the same thing was with the limo. Um, you know, I, I've spent probably $20 million in Facebook ads. I know the platform really well. And so I said, Hey, if we buy this limo, are you cool with me? Um, selling limo services. And so what we did is we're driving back from Las Vegas and on the way back, I post on Facebook and say, Hey, I'm looking for a driver, uh, someone that's got a CDL and, and, uh, you know, wants to drive, uh, you know, three, five hours a week. Right. And so I found a driver, we're paying her 17 bucks an hour. We bought a limo for six grand. We're like, okay, this, this is making sense. And as soon as we made it back from Vegas, I threw up some ads, took me maybe 15 minutes and, uh, face and Facebook's fantastic these days. Uh, you know, you can run Facebook lead ads, um, where, you know, you don't even need a website. You don't even need a logo. You have a Facebook page, which you can create for free. Then you turn on a Facebook lead ad, you start generating, you know, you start generating, um, people who are interested in a limo service. And what did I say? I said, um, you know, get, get one hour for free, um, with a limo driver drinks, everything unlimited, yada, yada, yada. And I started generating leads for about, um, I think it was like 90 some odd cents. So about a dollar. And, um, and I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. I didn't, I would never guess, uh, that I could generate leads for a buck. And so I started making some phone calls to these people, started shooting some texts out. And, you know, within the first week we're already booking, um, people who want, uh, you know, just to rent the limo for a hundred bucks an hour. And, and so here I am thinking, okay, you know, if I want to buy it, how do I make it pay for itself? And, uh, and, and so we, we certainly did that. And of course with us, you know, in the wedding industry, you know, there's a huge crossover, uh, right there alone. And whenever we have leads come in for Utah, which is where we're based out of, you know, we, we probably shoot, I don't know, four or 500 weddings a year just in Utah. Um, now all of a sudden I have another upsell that just pays for everything. And so, you know, at this point, it's, it's, it's an asset in the business that's, that's paid for itself and it's not a draw against revenue. That's good. 
Yeah. So it's basically you've gone ahead and, and essentially made it so whatever you've uh, bought and owned, it doesn't actually make that much of a dent or an impact on your business overall, yeah, which is very, very smart of doing it. Like, well, um, you know, I think, I think about Robert Kiyosaki, right? What's the, what's an asset? What's a liability? He says, Hey, if it puts money in your pocket, it's an asset. And I think oftentimes people, even just like in personal finance, people are like, Hey, uh, I'm going to go buy this car and it's a liability. Why? Because it's pulling money out of your pocket. Even, even the place you live often is a, is a liability. So if you can somehow justify something, and make it pay for itself, then it becomes an asset. And it's really changing the equation, at least financially. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a very interesting way of looking at it. See, Kiyosaki's books were pretty, it's weird. I've read them, but my mind doesn't want to accept them. It's like the weirdest <laughs> yeah. thing. Like my brain just reads and goes, uh-huh, I see what you're saying here. Good, cool concept. And But I also have like three or four different ideas of how this might work. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. like, God love my brain. Like the brain of a copywriter is that you always look at things and go, I can think of four different ways now. Yep. <laughs> always brilliant. I love it. But one of my questions I do have for you, because a lot of people have a problem budgeting and creating a lot of, um, not content, not content, that was the wrong word. They have a problem budgeting, creating like strategic, uh, what's called investments. Okay. And with that, I will give you an example because we had this on the show recently um, with someone that I, I did an interview with and we were talking afterwards. And what they said to me was, I really wish I was better at running paid ads, but I don't have the funds to run them. And I think that's the only thing that's messing me up. So they got themselves a loan, like one of the bounce back loans from COVID because they're in the UK. Uh, mm-hmm. And next thing you know, they've, they've said they're going to put all this money in towards running ads they haven't put a penny into running ads at all because I found they have a lot of fear that is underlying that's keeping them from, um, you know, taking any action. So a long winded way of me asking the question I'm getting to is how do you remove that fear of investment from your mind? How do you calm that down? Because it is anxiety because you're going into something that you're not really hundred percent sure it will make money. And that's kind of part and parcel of entrepreneurship. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, um, you know, I, I like to, I like to bring up, you know, this concept of what's the difference between a business and a hobby. Right. And for me, you know, um, you know, my brother has a really successful business and he's got a great YouTube channel and he's, he's got all this revenue coming in, but in my mind, even if you can do five, $10 million a year, it's a very great hobby business unless you can harness the power of paid advertising. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'll give you an example. In Tolman Media, what's really nice about the business and why we were able to license the business successfully uh, to other entrepreneurs was because we have, uh, you know, we, I call it the Facebook Ads ATM. Okay, it's a very predictable source of revenue, and in any business, the the key, probably the most important metric, right? The most important metric in every business is your cost per acquisition. Now, most people don't know what this is, right? Um, and those that do, they know their number. And for Tolman Media, the cost per acquisition is, you know, we can spend $70 to make an $1,800 average order. Now, now that I know that, that number, the math, I can predictively say, okay, if I spend $70 a day, I'm going to do one sale a day, $1,800 in revenue every single day, 40% net profit. We're feeling really good about this math. Um, and so 
you know, uh, so I think a lot of people get scared for two reasons. One, I think, I think money is one reason they don't, they're like, Hey, I only got $500 to spend. I don't want to blow it. I think the other one is, is the mechanic side is like, I don't want to do it wrong. I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to turn on ads and, and not know. And, and just that, that fear alone makes it so you never get out of that hobby space into a predictable business space. And, um, and my advice would be is just do it right. I turned on these, these limo ads, not no, now granted I have lots of experience and I know the structure copywriting wise and, and the, the right type of images and, and, and that type of stuff. But until you just do it and try it, you'll never know. And, um, you know, before I got involved with Tolman Media, um, you know, I probably spent a decade doing consulting yeah. and I was so, I was so picky with business that I, I would just not want to, um, I, I would never do anything myself because it had to be the perfect idea. And, um, you know, the expectation that I set with most of my clients was, okay, give me 5,000 bucks. Let me throw it out the window and let me see if I can learn something. Um, because unless you can actually learn from any ad spend, whether it's $10 or a thousand dollars or $10,000, doesn't matter what the number is. If, if you never, if, if you don't learn from it, you'll never get to that predictable point of what's my cost per acquisition for my average order. And it works, it works in services. It works in physical products. I'd say in almost any business, it works that way. And I think, I think, I think fear is really what holds almost everyone back. Um, because if I came to you and I said, Hey, um, if, if, if I, I promise you, you spend a hundred dollars and you'll get a thousand dollar return, mm -hmm. who wouldn't want, who wouldn't want to do that? Right. And I think people are just kind of scared to go through that learning because learning can be expensive. Oh yeah, it is. It has been, it's, it's one of those things where you realize like, uh, the cost of education, uh, yes, it is, is high, is high, but more importantly, the cost of experience is better. Like if you have a lot of experience, you can see what's going on there. Now, my question that I have for you, for you from that, cause you said something very interesting prior and I want to touch upon the ads thing in a moment. Cause I want to know how you think about it, but you said getting the right visuals properly in mind for the ad to work. Now, I'm curious about this, but how do you know which image is correct for the ad to work in your opinion? Because when I do this, I look at it and go, do the words in the image match? That's a very basic way of doing it. Coming, coming from the copywriter. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So this is interesting. So, you know, in the world today, in, in digital marketing, in conversion rate optimization, any business, you hear people throw around, they've been saying this for a decade. Oh, well, we'll, we'll A-B test it. We'll split test it. And what that basically means is, oh, we're, gonna, we're going to you know, try one thing and compare it against a different thing. And I, I feel like it's a little bit of a cop-out that they're like, hey, we're just going to A-B test it. And because you know, if I look at all the variables, and this is for me, this is like a scientific approach to advertising. Uh, when I look at all the variables, there's so many things you can test. I'm going to test... Uh, mobile versus desktop, right? I'm going to mm -hmm. test uh, ad placement. Am I going to advertise in an, on Instagram? I'm going to advertise on Facebook. Instagram stories versus Facebook stories. In the news feed versus on the right-hand sidebar. You know, um, 
you can test images, you can test copy and literally the variations. If you take all of those and multiply them against each other, there are millions of variations. How do you know what's the, where, where to start? And my, my preference, you know, when, it, when, when I try to boil down and simplify advertising is, you know, I like to initially start with just testing images, right? So um, as far as like a general rule of thumb um, on, on uh, copywriting, at least, I, you know, I like to, uh, well, there's a couple things here. Um, you know, I like, I like to, it all comes down to a really good offer. So I, I like to say whenever I run ads is what's the very best offer that I can run for this service or this product. For example, e-commerce, if I'm going to sell something, I'm going to say, okay, I got 70% margins on my product. I'm going to, I'm going to advertise 50% off cause that's stupid. And I'm just going to leave me with 20% left. And then I have my cost of my ads. I'm going to, you know, it's not about making money when you advertise. It's about the learning, this, this education cost that we were talking about earlier. It's like, you know, I think some people are like, oh, well, I'm going to offer 10% off so I can make money. No, that's not the purpose of running ads in the beginning. The purpose is how do I learn so I can understand what my average order is and what my cost per acquisition is, right? So I think, I think a lot of people kind of get stuck there, but, you know, I'll, I'll advertise and, you know, I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll answer the, the first question, which is what is the very best offer possible so I can get people to take action. And for limo, I was thinking, well, Hey man, who doesn't want to write a limo for free? You know, I've run ads for house cleaning services. Hey, we're going to send someone out to your house 100% free, literally no cat, no strings attached. There's no catch. I'm going to send them out for two hours and clean your house. Why? Because we want to earn your business. And so you know, usually I'll start with, that in the form of copywriting and say, you know, I'm going to write an ad that's, that's basically short and sweet that says, Hey, I'm going to give you an hour of free limo service. And then as far as my testing side on the ad, on the ad side is I'm going to test that on five or eight images. And so I'm not going to test anything else. It's just the same copy and all these images and Facebook will decide which one's the best. And when I have that copy, uh, the right copy, the combination of the right copy with th their best image, then I kill the rest of the, 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 you know, the ads, the images. And, and then I might go on and say, okay, I'm going to test Facebook versus Instagram, which one's doing better. You know what I mean? And then you slowly get better. And I don't think there's ever an end point for any type of ad that you run. Um, you're always just going to keep going, keep going, keep going. And until you find the best combination, because again, there are millions of variations and you literally don't have enough budget to test everything. I know, I don't know if that's what you wanted me to answer, but that's how no, it came out. No, but that's true though. That's a very interesting way of looking at things. Um, specifically when it comes down to like ads and, um, how you see things, because it gives me an insight in your mind. Now, the second part you actually weirdly answered while answering the first part, which is really annoying because i was like damn it i have this amazing <laughs> question the answer it anyway so it all works out in the end one of my curiosities though has to be around like what you do to get creative like in your mind because uh, just by speaking to you it's very evident that you do think creatively my question is oh you were gonna say oh you're good go ahead oh cool your question. oh my question was essentially gonna be how do you replenish your creativity after you've done some work because again marketing a business all day does drain creativity how do you recharge that 
it it's it it definitely drains with time and for me i i literally you know when someone i'll have someone in the business who will who will ping me and say hey we need to do x y and z for this person's ads and you know when when you've already expended everything all all that's left is kind of garbage work and so for me i have to like go on a walk i have to get away from digital the screen and uh you know I'll go for a run or something go in the mountains go on a hike you know and i literally have to disconnect in order for that to come back and i remember i remember one time um you know i i was uh, documenting all these these different ads and what i call proven ads where hey if if you know you could turn them on and get the same results as as what i proved them out to be and um and, and anyway, this was this product that I was working on and I had documented over, I think 15 of these proven ads and I had just spent like, I'm a terrible copywriter. I love copywriting for ads because it's short and sweet and I know how to do it. But like, if you ask me to write like eight paragraphs on, you know, how do I dumb this down so anyone can do it? Like I, I literally want to, you know, hit my head against the table and I, and I had just spent like five hours copywriting and I, I was getting so like worked up and frustrated is like I'm a everyone knows I'm a terrible copier I can't do this like I don't want to do and and my wife's like okay it's time to go for a walk and we went on a walk for an hour and I came back and literally I had you know before I went on the walk it was like two hours of work left I came home and in 20 minutes it was done I cleared my head and I got back to it I just replenished that creativity you know because it, it it definitely does uh I mean you can you can kill it all and then it's just garbage after that you know yeah for sure. I've, I don't edit copy. So I have this whole thing with, um, so one of my clients, I wrote 15 different versions of the sales letter for him. Okay. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. But the thing is, cause I don't ever edit. I just don't like editing. So I'd rather delete the damn page in front of me or start a new file. And start, start over. Yep. Yeah. I, if I repeat the same thing, I repeated it on purpose. If I didn't repeat the same thing, it's because I either forgot or I don't want to use it and didn't make sense, which is okay. But no matter what I did for this client, it just didn't work. Like nothing I wrote felt okay to me. So we never took it to test, uh, to market, just simply because um, it, after doing this for so long, I've like developed a bit of a sixth sense where I know an ad is going to work or not for me. Uh -huh. And I was like, yeah, this is not hitting any of the flags I needed to hit right now. So I'm like, this is going to be pretty terrible if I run this. Um, but from that same point, it can happen. You can have duds. Even me, someone that's done this from the time I was 12. I mean, to give me, wow. honestly, you don't know this about me because we've just met, but for my audience that do know, um, I'm widely considered one of the best copywriters because in the last 12 years of a professional career from the time I was 18 to now I'm 30, um, I've done over $700 million for my clients and it's close to 800 million by the end of this year, which is incredible. Wow. Um, so yeah, there is, there is some upsides, but what I'm getting at is that even that same thought process at that level, you can still want to quit. You can still want to ban it all down and not edit it, which is completely fine. So if you're feeling that, that's pretty cool too. One of the questions I do want to like switch gears for just a second is around the current business that you have right now, specifically at Tolman Media. You guys are licensing out your business on a, I, I, I want to say on a global scale, but I'm not sure. Like, I think it is on a global scale, right? You guys have like it is, yeah. in different places. My question to that is how do you structure those deals and how do you franchise something like a wedding photography business? 
so, uh, and I love talking about this and, 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 and stop me so I don't go too long, right? Oh, uh, go, so- go, go, go for, go for broke, swing for the fences. I'm, I'm really, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, I love, I love this concept of, of licensing and we stay away from the, the, the F word, you know, the, the franchise word, right? Um, because, and first off, you know, franchising, there's nothing wrong with franchising, but licensing, there's all the flexibility in the world. I can structure any deal I want. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I can make a win-win for anyone. For example, even in, you know, um, we've sold out of, you know, all of Canada. We've sold most of Mexico. Uh, we're just getting into Europe. I think almost everything in the UK is sold, but I can get someone in for free. Whereas with franchising, you know, there's, you know, you have to use our advertising firm. You have to have these budgets and you have to give a 60 grand down. Like, um, there it's so rigid. And so I can make a deal with anyone licensing wise. And all that matters is if you start making money in the business, then we all win, you know, and that's how, that's how licensing really works, but really how we got into this thing. So my, my partner, Brennan, who unfortunately got in a car accident last night, um, yeah. you know, he, he was in, he, he was the videographer. He, he was the photographer. And, um, you know, he's been in the business for seven, eight years now. And really I only got in, in the picture 18 months ago and I came in and, and, you know, I was consulting, he was one of my early clients and I was consulting him back in the day. I was helping him run some ads and, and, uh, he, uh, the business just started growing and, you know, he didn't want to, uh, he, there was a wedding that got booked on his, on his birthday. And he says, there's no way I'm going to film that. There's no way I'm, I'm going to do that. And so um, he started hiring contractors and over the course of five, six years, he started, he, he went through all the work. There's a grinding period in every business yeah. to, to prove that, that a business works. And so I got involved and, um, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, the first year of business, you know, we were doing 70, 80, $100,000 months. There is some seasonality to, to photography, yeah. uh, to the wedding business. and you know, at the end of every month, this is why I'm a little bit passionate about uh, business finances. You know, we had no money at the end of the day. The, the business was f- full of leeches. We had holes in our bucket, so to speak. And I basically went to him and I said, hey, man, I love you. I think I'm going to either leave the business or we're going to try it my way. And, um, and, so, and, and so that's really when we pivoted to licensing. But one of the one of the requirements that I had for him was, hey, we're going to, um, you know, we're we're going to cut all ties. We're going to cut all salaries. Everyone's moving performance based, and uh, you know, this idea of hey, let's make a hundred grand a month and spend a hundred grand a month, and no one's making money. Like it's it was ludicrous to me. So, um, so the first thing was, you know, he proved out that the business could work. He proved out that we could spend seventy dollars to make 15, 18, 20, $2,200, um, $1,800 on average. You know what I mean? And so we had the business, the business math and everything. Then at that point, it was a matter of how do you document all of your standard operating procedures? How can you make a monkey duplicate your business without fail? And um, there was lots of manuals written, screenshots. I mean, it, I mean it's as detailed as every process in the business is detailed. Um, and so what we ended up doing is we created this, um, on click funnels, we created what we call a portal for anyone could come in. I give you a login and you have the perfect 
roadmap, the playbook, the blueprint, whatever you want to call it, to operate a very successful photography and videography business. Now, um, most of our entrepreneurs who get involved with us, they have no prior experience in the wedding industry. They're not photographers. They're not creatives. They're entrepreneurs. They, they understand numbers and, uh, and, and how to operate a business. And so, um, you know, we like to talk about the three phases of licensing. You prove out the business. That's probably the hardest step. You know, you can do it with any business. And then the second one is you document all the standard operating procedures so someone else can copy you. And then the third one is this expansion phase, which frankly is my favorite phase. And this is kind of the, the turning point for Tolman Media is we, we went, and this was September of last year, and um, it took me about a month uh, to, to, to get our first sale. It was the hardest sale that we ever got. It was also our worst deal ever. And, 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 and to answer your question, how do you structure these type of deals? You know, originally we were like, Hey, we're going to get someone in for, we're, we're going to sell Nevada. Nevada has 110,000 weddings a year. There's Las Vegas there. It's a huge hub. And, um, so we sold Nevada. It was our first sale. And originally it was, Hey, I need five grand down and I'm going to need, you know, 3000 bucks a month. So we have this huge component of financing. So when I go back to the franchising world, it's like, hey, I need 60 grand down or hey, for McDonald's, I need a million bucks, right? Well, in licensing, the reason I can make a deal with anyone is I can get someone in for free or in this case, Nevada, I said, I need five grand. Uh, we didn't make a lot of money and, um, and then we're going to finance $70,000 and we kind of did it like as if it was a credit card payment. Now, um, we, we have since switched, we had a partner in, in Colorado. He's our current Colorado partner. He came to me and he's like, Nick, um, I don't want to do monthly payments. I don't do credit cards. I'm just, you know, what if the business stops working? What if, what if, what if I don't want that? And so he actually proposed to me a performance based seller financing. So for example, Hey, I owe you a hundred thousand dollars. And I'm going to pay you 14% of, of any gross dollar that comes in. So if he makes 5,000 bucks in a week, he's going to pay 14% of that in addition to a 7% royalty. Okay. So mm -hmm. he's paying 21%, 21, uh, uh, 21 pennies for every dollar that he makes to us directly. 7% that goes to royalty, 14% that pays off his area balance and we switched to performance-based and we, we frankly, we called up all of our other, our previous partners and we said, Hey, we're, we want to switch the model. Do you want to switch or do you want to stick to your monthly payments? And most of them switched over to performance-based and the idea, it actually makes it easier to sell the licensing opportunity. The idea of, Hey, well, if you book two weddings a month, sweet, you pay, you know, 10%, right? And, and, and then, and what's nice about licensing is, the numbers are fluid. We can make them up. We can go down to 8% if we want. Um, and, um, you know, if they book two weddings, wonderful. If they book 200 weddings, wonderful. Nothing changes. Percentages, margins, everything's the same. And it was really at that point we went from, hey, we sold five territories to we sold 50 territories in two months. Then we started going international. Now we have, you know, about 80 partners, internet, um, you know, around the globe, we sold all of Australia, you know, a lot of the English speaking countries, 
you know, but there, there are still countries like in Germany, there's 400,000 weddings a year. That's almost, you know, New York city, for example, has got 140,000 weddings. Holy crap. That's a lot of weddings. Germany, whoever owns Germany will kill it. And they immediately step into a million dollar a year business. We just need someone who can speak German. Right. And so, um, we can structure the deal any way possible. It's super flexible. And really at the end of the day, this is what people want. They want a win-win. Um, I'm not going to come to you and say, Hey, I need all the money in your piggy bank. I can say, Hey, you can get in for free. And once you start booking weddings, you're making money. I'm making money. Your contractors are making money. You're an owner, not an operator. You have a salesperson making money. You have a, a fulfillment manager making money. And now you're, you've broken this, this equation of, of time freedom. You know, people are often stuck in this world of, Hey, I want to work for 10 bucks an hour. I want to work for a hundred bucks an hour. And that's kind of a, an old world way of thinking about how to make money. If you can build a business system or an asset in my mind where you can spend two hours and make a thousand bucks an hour and you're, you're managing your business and maybe it takes two hours a month. Um, you know, that's really the way the world is shifting. And that's how I think, you know, a lot of people are creating financial freedom today um, because millennials, you know, they want to make uh, you know, they all want to work from home and they all want to travel and they want to keep, keep their lifestyle up and have a lifestyle business. That's really popular these days. And um, I feel like, you know, part of Tolman media can do that. So anyway, long winded, but you know, obviously I, I love the licensing game. I think anything's licensable so long as they can go through um, you know, the required steps so you can actually license it. And that's not easy. There I am like literally answering you back right now. And I realized my microphone was muted this entire fucking time. <laughs> Gotta fucking love that. Thank you, brain. You goddamn moose. <laughs> God. Yeah. So just so you know, Nick and everyone at home, we never edit these shows. Like anything this that comes out. Just, yeah. This is just like life. Keep it. it, it the weird thing is this is pre-recorded. It's going to come out in a couple of weeks or in a month or so uh, or two months. Or so. But here's the insane thing. I still won't edit it. And the only reason for that is it takes away the authenticity, in my opinion. So you guys would not have got me calling myself a giant dumb moose unless I had actually <laughs> I love it. Done a dumb moose. It's fine because I actually have friends. I, I, it's a weird quirk I have is if I like you, I will assign an animal to you. I've realized. Like if I really you're, like, you're the moose. I'm a moose. Well, I'm also a lion. Like I, It depends on what it is. Like If I have an insult with an animal in it, it's usually, it means I care about that person. Uh, Cause I have it with one of my friends who's really tall. Um, and he's a giraffe. She's a giraffe. Yeah. She's, yeah, she, she's a go. giraffe, except for she did something really stupid once. And I just, you know, when you just had that moment, when you just shake your head and like laughter. You're like, I can't believe you did that. I just yep. remember doing that and going, you big dumb giraffe. <laughs> and they just looked oh at me and went, did you call me a dumb giraffe? I was like a big dumb giraffe. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. And they just looked at me like, what the fuck? I was like, I know. But anyway, going back to this, with, with the way that your business has worked out, that is incredibly powerful because you can do almost the same in say, and I'm only using this as copywriting because that's a service that we use and or creative direction is a service that you use. You can build up all the stuff in the, you know, that is maintainable and then license those processes out, which is fine. But something that really made me think um, that, you're in, that so few people actually talk about is the idea of doing the hard work. Like, you know, if I need to do the work, so in like three months time, 
I'll get to the point where I'm making $2,000 a day or even $1,000 a day. Yeah, it's two months of really bad work, like really shitty pay. Uh, if any, I'm really bootstrapping all of this. I'm working like an, an, an insane person, like all the, all the time. But yeah, dude, if you're doing like a thousand or two thousand dollars a day, that's like thirty or sixty thousand dollars a month. Who's gonna hate that? Yeah, right? who's gonna be mad about how much they worked? Now, one thing I will throw in there, and this is something I'd love your opinion on and your advice on, and that is knowing when to hire someone and specifically what to hire them for. Because I've had many different schools of thoughts about this. Like some people go, yeah, if I'm hiring like a VA online or something, which, you know, in my world is quite commonplace, what they don't, they never really realize or discuss what first thing they've outsourced. Like, do they outsource the thing they're naturally good at so they have more time to go do other things? Or do they outsource their weaknesses? So my, so my question to you is, what is the process that you guys have for hiring? But more importantly, uh, how do you find out what position to hire for? That being said, I will be right back. I uh, just got a nip to the bathroom, but floor's all yours, Nick. <laughs> nice, excellent. So for me, so this is kind of like an interesting idea. You know, for me, I, I do it different. I feel like uh, a lot of people, when they hire someone, there is a salary or an hourly rate. And I always come back to this performance-based piece. And I always look at what's a, what's, what's, what motivates a person, right? And everyone's got different types of motivations. Um, and, you know, the ones that I personally enjoy working with the most are those that, um, you know, the, the ones that are kind of more money motivated and where, where they feel like, you know, if, if you have the, pro the proper motivation in place, they're going to work day and night harder and guess what it's actually going to be easier for them because they enjoy it if you give them the right compensation model and so you know at atonement media we we always talk about how do you become an owner and not an operator right um you can be the the guy that starts a franchise and uh starts a a, a cpa firm and you are the owner operator and that's okay but the 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 reason you would never want to do that is because you value your time as an entrepreneur. And so to be an owner and not an operator, again, saves your time and your bandwidth. Well, how do you do that? So we always talk about hiring two people. We often recommend doing it right away. Um, however, um, if you want to, you can do the jobs yourself so you can learn the jobs and so you can be a, a better, um, trainer, a teacher, um, a manager of those positions. And I, and I do believe that there is value. You shouldn't necessarily offload something that you haven't done yourself and that you're not willing to do yourself. So the two positions that I often talk about, at least in Tolman media um, that we like is, you know, sales, a sale. Now I, I believe that you need to get on your knees and worship salespeople because without sales, there's, there's, there's no money. It's not a business. It's not anything. So um, you know, bringing on a salesperson for us at Tolman, we always, we say, Hey, we're going to pay you 50 bucks a sale. We have some, you know, upsells that they try to push. And, and so they're getting paid totally performance-based. And we have some salespeople who are working 12 hours a week and they're making 800 bucks a week. And they're thrilled with that. And we're thrilled with it because we have money coming in, they have money coming in and they can do it whenever, however uh, they like. And so, you know, hiring a salesperson and then hiring a fulfillment person. Now, I love doing sales, you know, whenever it comes to like opening new territories, I'm the one that negotiates contracts. 
However, I really dislike the fulfillment side of the business. And so we also talk about hiring a fulfillment manager. For Tolman Media, you only need one person. Um, when a sale happens, um, the bride is passed over to the fulfillment person. They work with, some of these people are getting married two, two three years out, which is just you know crazy to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but, but most often it's anywhere from eight to you know, 15, 18 months, right? And so the manager will get paid performance-based as well, but now they're managing hundreds of brides and there's minimal communication. There's a little communication in the beginning and then most of the communication happens when they're six months out of their wedding. And, and so they do all the fulfillment, all the communication, they get paid 100% performance-based. And so I love working with uh, the people who want to work performance-based because they get to make as much money for as little time as they want. They're passionate about it. And it really just kind of streamlines the process. But more importantly, as a business owner, it keeps my margins crystal clear. There's nothing worse than being like, oh, I'm paying this guy 20 bucks an hour and they just keep racking up hours and you don't actually know what your margin is until you run your monthly profit and loss statement. I don't like to wait that long to know if I have a good or a bad margin or if I'm burning money or making a lot of money. Um, I, I like to know every single deal, every single job, um, if you know what my margin is. And so I think performance-based, that's the way that I like to do it. And it's just a matter of finding the right person for the job. Yeah, it really is. And I'm, I'm of the same belief. I think one of the first places you go with, if you don't like doing it is sales, get rid of like get someone else to do them. Especially yep. if you're more about the fulfillment side of things. Um, Absolutely. Well, and if I go back to the, the limo example that I had earlier, you know, we got a limo sweet. How do we make this thing pay for itself? I turned on ads sweet. Now I got a lead source. And now I, you know, with the use of technology today, I can send them, I can send auto texts out on behalf of my salesperson. And I, I never want to touch it again. And so they start having hyper communication with these leads and then they start booking them. And guess what? We have a limo and a driver and that person can also play fulfillment manager too and say, Hey, I'm going to throw it up on the calendar and driver's going to go pick them up at this address and boom, we're set. You know what I mean? So I, I think having the right people in place is pretty critical. I would agree so. And um, one of the things that I really enjoy that very few people really understand, it's knowing who to actually work with. And there's a, there's a myriad of tests that you can take people through, but I remember one of my uh, old mentors, whenever he hired someone, he'd make them do, he'd pay for three tests. He'd pay okay. for the Colby test, he'd pay for their wealth dynamics test, and he'd pay for their um, how to fascinate test. So he wanted to know all three of these things before he hired anyone. And the reason was, he w it's not that he wouldn't hire them, but he would put their name down for the right role that he thinks they would actually be best in. So he'd have like a salesperson go come in and then he'd be like, okay, this salesperson is really bad at like what is essentially needed for, uh, for selling, which is quick start and some level of implementation and creativity. Um, but the, the, the better suited for more of a management role to motivate others because that's where they're, they're very good at being like precise and making things work in order. Well, put them through the sales training, but afterwards he would end up like moving them straight into, okay, you did your basic sales training with us. Now it's time to move you up to manager. And he I love it. Every single person like, and some people are like, wait, why do they get to be manager? And I'm still a salesperson, all this other bullshit. 
and he handled it in the most easiest way that I've ever seen anyone do it. He literally went out in front of his, his entire floor, got everyone in, and it's about a year ago, and he just said to them, you guys might be wondering why Steve got promoted than most of you guys who've been around for a while. Well, here's what's different about Steve. Steve's absolutely amazing at systematizing things. You guys don't know how much money he's making. He doesn't know how much money you guys are making. None of you guys know how much each other is making because I've made sure of that. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. He's, I'm putting him in a position where he's really good. So you guys should be honored that we're putting someone like Steve in place to get you more money and make more sales. And immediately his entire sales force turned around. Like, they were just, thrilled about that. Well, yeah. Because at the end of the day, and he told me this later in, uh, in confidentiality, so I haven't mentioned his name. One of his sales guys was pulling in half a million a year. Wow. The manager guy was pulling like 35000 a year. <laughs> That's hilarious. And he was like, the way we structured our business is just because you're a manager, yeah, you get more of a living expense covered. But if you're a salesperson, you're good at what you do, you're going to make more money, like, especially when you don't have a cap. You know, I, I, I think that's, that's awesome, man. And it's just a matter of finding their, their motivations, but even, you know, even if you take it a step back and you look at what are your motivations as a manager or someone who is hiring someone, you know, it's funny. Um, one of the things that draws me to Brendan as a business partner is he's got this infectious ability. He works really fast and he's a hyper communicator. And I personally value that, that, hey, we need, to, we need to get these ads live. Boom, 20 minutes later, they're done. And we're talking about it, right? And so whenever he hires someone, for example, um, he'll, he'll actually, the test that he likes to, to throw at them, he throws them a little project and he wants to see how fast do they get it done? Are they eager to do it now? Are they going to procrastinate? Okay, sweet. Hey, you have a 48-hour timeline to get this, this job done. Well, 36 hours into it, did they get it done? Did they get it done in two hours? And you know what, what questions were they asking, right? If you throw something a little technical at people, well, they're going to have to ask you, you know, how do you technically want it done? And so you know, I think it's just fascinating the way he hires people because um, if they talk a lot and like, you know, we, we like to use Facebook Messenger. It's really nice. It's fast and easy. It's instant chat. You can do voice messages. You can send screenshots, pictures, everything you need, right? Uh, and there's a lot of great tools like that, like Slack and whatnot. And so we would be able to communicate back and forth really fast in a method that, that works well for us. And then if they get the job done quickly, we don't expect anyone to be perfect at any job. In fact, we almost discourage it. Um, if someone um, tends to be a little bit more analytical and they want to do it right, we almost value the job getting done first, like done is better than perfect. And then you move towards perfection. Right. And, um, there's, there are people who are motivated by just doing a really good, high quality job. And unfortunately as the manager or in Brendan's case, as the, as a business owner, um, he doesn't value that. And so knowing what your motivations are is also important too. Agreed. And it's something really interesting because Jocko Wilnick talked about this very recently. And I want to throw this in there because it is a bit of a, it's a side note, but it really makes sense. And it's this idea around what motivation really is. Because mm-hmm. um, that Jody Mitich, who's a former, who's a former Canadian sniper that is currently a congressman in Canada. He said that he can't do what he used to do. Like he goes, I, he goes, I, when, I, when he was younger, he was like, okay, I'm going to quit smoking now because I couldn't run up a hill. 
And it was like that day, I was like, I'm not going to smoke anymore. Went back to camp, threw the cigarettes away. Haven't smoked a cigarette since. He's like, yep. I just don't get addictions. <laughs> like, it's that's, amazing. That's, that's the kind of like brain power that dude is. And what he said was uh, he can't concentrate anymore. Like his concentration has gone completely terrible. He could read a book in a week, like a couple of books a week. And now he's like, I'm reading Extreme Ownership and I'm halfway through. Because it's taken me so, because uh, I'm halfway through, it's taking me three months to get there. And usually I'd finish a book like this in three days. Yep. So like what Jocko said was quite interesting. And if other people are feeling this, by the way, and I know we're going on a diatribe right now, but it really does make sense. You need to change the motivation. And motivation is like, yeah, get pumped up. It's yeah. actually the word, which is change of motive. That's all you're doing. What is your motive? What are you motivating? What, are you, what is the thing that you're going after? So if your whole thing was like, I'm gonna make 100 grand, and you made 100 grand, but you never updated that, now you're going to feel really lethargic and lazy to do anything. The moment you switch that shift over to something that does motivate you, it goes. And something very similar about what you said with Brennan um, about how he tests people inside a 48-hour period. I know for a fact I'd fail that test. And the reason I'd fail that test is usually I, I get all the ideas done in the first two hours, and then I let it sit until like the last six hours of a project handed so I can quickly read through and make any edits. And usually I'll catch like three or four edits and it's ready to go. Or, there you go. You, or you end up doing the thing that I did, which is write 15 different variations of a sales letter, look at all of them and go, you're all terrible. And then just start again. Yeah. Which is always fun. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's important to actually have well balance in an organization, you know, so shortly after we sold out all the United States, we brought on a president of the company. Now, Brendan and I tend to be, fast thinking, fast moving. Uh, we, you know, we, we create a little bit of fires around us sometimes because we have this idea of done is better than perfect. And, 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 and there are negative um, outcomes because of that. And so we, we brought on a president of the company who's very system and operations oriented. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's funny, we brought him on and he, he does do some, he, he handles certain fires. And we have you know, you can imagine in a licensing organization, we have, you know, we have 80 some odd partners and there's a little drama sometimes between partners like, oh, this lead came in right on the border and it's like, whose lead is it? And yada, yada, yada. And, and he's perfect for the job because, you know, it's funny, like uh, when someone's in breach of contract and, and, and if I'm dealing with it, I'll just call him up and I'll be like super unemotional about it and be like, hey, you crossed the line. like you know, yada, you know, I kind of, I kind of just lean into them really hard. Whereas he's got a lot of it, a lot of more compassion, uh, for people. And, uh, you know, so he makes a better, um, you know, m motivator as in, in the form of, you know, maintaining the business and, and, and the relationships. And, uh, so it's, you got to bring in all the different, um, you know, powers that people offer, you know what I mean? And, and, and bring the balance that you can't just have a, an, uh, an organization full of, fire starters because uh then you'll burn the house down you know what i mean yeah definitely it's one of those things you gotta have the right balance of people and i'm glad you brought a ceo in that was like systematized because that has probably helped your guys productivity and mental health a lot more than you realize big time yeah and and you know, i already i already confessed you know that uh you know i i i, I don't like the fulfillment as much and so yeah. here, here i am opening a, a brand new territory in the uk and Okay, now it's someone else's problem. And frankly, we make a great team because he loves fulfillment. Me, wow. not so much. 
and uh, you know, and kind of bringing all these points together, you know, with me loving to have someone performance based on, so I know my margins at all times, you know, he, he works, our president of the company works purely for royalties. And when we have great royalty weeks, he gets paid really, really well. And when COVID hits and we take a 25% drop in bookings, he's okay with that too. Cause he understands it. And when it's good, it's good. And fortunately, um, you know, I don't know if there, there is such a thing as a recession proof business. I think that's a state of mind maybe, maybe, but um, you know, people are always getting married. They're adjusting their dates because of like a COVID or a pandemic or whatever. Um, but uh, people are still booking and uh, you know, so it, it's nice to know that we have a, a good system that everyone feels, feels great about, you know? Yeah. That's always great. And I'm very, very happy to hear that, especially because most businesses, while they're not recession proof, I'll say that the recession uh, buoyant is sure. what I'd use. Cause if like you have, that. yeah, a recession buoyant business sounds far more realistic than a recession proof business. It's like my money's never going to get touched. Whereas the other one's like, yeah, money's going to get touched, but we're still going to be above board and keep ourselves fine. And actually that's a very good lesson as well to have someone like that to run through your books simply because I'm assuming it, um, had you not had that person, you guys were still running at like a hundred percent like loss, essentially. Like if you're making a hundred grand, you're spending a hundred grand. If you guys ran like that, your business would not be able to survive what is happening right now with COVID. Absolutely. Yeah. Very powerful to have, but real quickly, because we didn't actually cover this right at the start for some reason, but don't worry, we'll make sure that we get something in there. And that is quite simply guys, I want you to go check out, um, what is your email address? Because that's how they should get in touch with you. Like you're weirdly into like getting people to email you. Yeah. And, 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 and I, and I'm happy to give advice to people if they're interested in licensing or, you know, like I mentioned, we, we, we have territories all over. We're trying to go more global. I can make a deal work with anyone. Um, my email address is Nick, which is N I K. There's no C in that Nick at Tolmanmedia.com. T-O-L-M-A-N media.com guys go check got it out also follow his YouTube channel uh, Tolman Media basically if you look them up and look up all the socials fo uh, follow them not just simply for what they do I mean if you are getting married or thinking about it by all means go that way but if you're not thinking about it and you're like man why would I go there look at their business model look at how they do things take the ideas that Tolman Media has and implement them in your business trust me you'll find that people just taking the licensing idea that you gave us, Nick, on how you actually structure this and why you want to license out part of your business. If someone did that in, say, a Facebook ad agency, or if they had a product and they say that I've done this with, my, with one of my products, I've created an email marketing course. I'm now licensing out that same email marketing course to a real estate company in the UK to teach all their realtors how to use emails. I love it just an easier way. They paid me a licensing fee. They're like, Oh, can we white label? I'm like, yeah, but my name stays on the product. They're like, cool. I'm like, you guys get zero percentage of any realtors that come to me and go, Hey, we want you to write our ads for us. You guys get zero percentage. This is completely as a separate deal. And they're like, yeah, we love that. We're fine. That's fantastic. I love so it. It works out. So guys, please go check out Nick Crone everywhere online. Check out Tolman media as well. Hit him up at Nick at Tolmanmedia.com links as always in the description and nick it's been a pleasure having you on the show man hey man that was fun and uh we, we'll have to do it again and, and catch up and kind of see see where things are in the future
For sure. I'd love to have you back on. Guys, have a great weekend. Remember, follow Nick. And again to Nick, thank you for being here. Speak soon. And as always, review, subscribe, and rate the show. Cheers, guys.